0: The call up here, and we are going to unpack a bunch of hitters, a bunch of pitchers, guys that are off to wonderful starts to the month of May. And you know, I kind of turn in our heads here. I'm R.M. Layton, he's Jack McMullen. And Jack, you put together a long list of names. I highlighted some names prior to the Cade Povich episode, so we had some overlap there. We'll briefly touch on some of the guys that I talked about in the last episode that also kind of were on your radar with the way they're performing. But a bunch of names to go over here and we kind of just want to add context to these guys' performances. You know, is this sustainable? What did they do? Did they figure something out? Have we seen any change and what are they doing so well? I'm excited to kind of run through what should be a couple dozen players as quickly as we can.
1: Yeah, I think it's like heaping love on guys that are performing to the prospect pedigree because, you know, typically like the top prospects, we hold to higher standards than than some of the other guys. And we were talking about I I know you talked about Hunter Goodman. Hunter Goodman felt like a pop up last year. Vaughn Brown felt like a pop up. Moises Gomez felt like a pop up. These are guys that were I mean, like leapfrogging their, I don't want to say low expectations, but leapfrogging their standard replacement level, you know, double triple A expectations by flying colors. Does it happen again? With some of these guys that we're going to talk about, the expectations are higher. Like the expectation is 800 OPS, maybe even above that. And these guys are, are performing over that standard, which is really impressive. So yes, we can call it a hot sheet, but I also think it's notable minor leaguers that are performing above the already high standard set for them.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Because you know, there, there's going to be a hot sheet. We talked about it, like Luke and Baker swinging the, the heck out of the ball. Yeah. Like he's he is really swinging the bat. But uh, yeah, that's not a guy that we're going to talk about on the hot sheet here. So uh, we'll start with hitters, uh, and and I love the names that we kind of have compiled here because these are all guys that you know I was hoping to talk about in the last episode, but then I looked at the the Adobe audition little clock there and it was at 17 minutes and i still had to kick it to the Kate povich interview which by the way check that out povich is awesome baltimore orioles organization uh very very talented left-handed pitcher really fun interview uh but i was like all right well i'll just go over the rest of them with jack but we're gonna fly all over so from some maybe more unsung prospects in terms of just you know comparison to like Kyron Paris to Marcelo Meyer uh, would be a little bit of a a difference in terms of name recognition, but both are playing really well. And then even the Henry Davises, Junior Camineros of the world, and Nolan Jones. But we'll start and more names b- besides that. But we'll start with Kyron Paris because Paris is a guy that every time I check, he homers over the last couple of days, or even over the last week or so. Uh, he is in the Los Angeles Angels organization and seems like he's really putting it together. In double A so far this year. Uh, and this is a big test for a 21-year-old, even though he's been a professional player for a little bit longer, playing shortstop, a little bit of second base, mostly shortstop at the double A level. Swing and miss has always been a little bit of a concern, but you know, he, he's hitting for power. And for a guy that's six foot, 175 pounds roughly, to be hitting the ball as hard as he is, to be getting it in the air, um, and using the whole field, it's been pretty fun to see what Paris has been doing, you know, over the last handful of games. Where Jack, I pull it. I don't know if you have. You have a season stats. I don't know if you have like his last handful of games, but if you look at his last, I believe it was 10 or 12 games. I have it right here. 10 games. He's homered five times. Seeing three Oh six with five homers in his last
1: 10 games. That'll play for a 21 year old in double A. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like hitting the crap out of the ball as of late, and I love how he's doing it. I don't have like the last 10 what he's hitting, but I, I assume it's well over 300. On the year, this guy's hitting 250. But he's got a 400 OBP, man. He's walked 22 times in 26 games. So this guy is like maximizing this power and speed approach thing that we see from him. Last year as a 20-year-old, he was in high A. And then, you know, that brief sample in Rocket City, 14 games at the end of the year. This guy had 12 pumps, 33 for 37 in the stolen base department. So we thought, okay, you know, he, he can hit some balls out. He was playing in a very hitter friendly environment. Now he goes to Huntsville, Alabama, which like. Rocket city is not necessarily like bombs away town. Um, Paris eight homers, nine for 10 in the stolen base department. If the speed is here to stay, he's playing really good defense by like the standard numbers. It's short and second. And the power is upticking as he gets older. I mean, him and netto is a middle infield to dream on very soon. Absolutely.
0: So the, the the one question I have is, is, The whiff, how much is the whiff going to hold him back? So 74% zone contact, but that's what it was last year. And now he's at a higher level. He's instead just hitting the ball harder, hitting it in the air more, and he's more patient. So you can be a 75% zone contact guy. If you got great speed, if you hit the ball hard and you hit it in the air. And so I think we're seeing that here and he's going to get better and better. I think continue to make more contact. This is a guy that I think is clearly one of the best position player prospects in the system with the way he's been playing comes with some pedigree um, and a guy that I think we were just kind of waiting for it to all come together. We see the, the good athletes, like you mentioned the guys that have all the tools, but maybe don't hit enough. Uh, But this was a second round pick out of high school in 2019 misses a big year of development in 2020. So going into 2021, he had never really played professional baseball aside from three games at the rookie level. So 2021, as far as I'm concerned, was his first professional season. And, And in that first professional season out of high school, He plays a little bit between low A and high A only plays 47 games. So last year was his first full season. And in 105 games, you mentioned what he did and he held his own. He was pretty good between high A and double A and he finished the year really strong in double A. So this is somebody that like, you got to look at the narrative there too. You got to look at the, the context. And I think the context tells you has not really played that many professional games. And this is really his second shot at a full season. And it's all starting to come together. Um, So I'm really excited to monitor to see how sustainable this is. But the tools are really exciting and the tools are starting to turn into production.
1: For sure. And and I look at, you know, what that middle infield looks like for the foreseeable future. Um, You've got Neto, who seems like the shortstop of the future for them and Perry Manassian. And, you know, it seems like Phil Nevin and, and the rest of the team believes that Zach Neto is that guy. He's already up less than a year after he was drafted. But then you look at second base. They got Renhefo there right now. Renhefo has been a mainstay, but Luis Renhifo is not blocking a talented Kyron Harris no, no. from <laughs> taking over that second base job. The other one you look at is Brandon Drury. Um, unfortunately, you've got Walsh dealing with what headaches and insomnia right now. Yeah. Like really scary situation. Hope he's all right there. But I mean, Drury—the th- beauty of him on a two-year deal—he's off the books after the 24 season, and that's probably. Paris's debut year. I bet he gets a brief cameo in triple this year. And then he's kind of knocking on the door out of camp next year. Um, Drury's got versatility, man. So like he can get Rendon off his feet at third right now. He's the primary first baseman for the angels. So there's nothing blocking Kyron Paris from taking over an everyday second base role. If he can control the swing and miss. And I think now they're seeing the version of Kyron Paris that they really want, which is a guy that is, you know, a, a game changer on the base paths, playing really solid defense at both middle infield spots and is hitting enough with some juice.
0: And mind you, he's doing this in the Southern league where it's not easy to hit right now. Guys are striking out left and right. So this is a really impressive start for Paris. Who's 3,400 RPM fastball. Yeah, Who's playing his way into being a legitimate, you know, position player prospect that, you know, we talk about this angel system. It's not the best, but with the draft pick of Neto uh, with, with the development that, that they've gotten from uh, you know, some of their prospects within that system on the position player side, we know they've they've gone heavy with with drafting arms. Uh, it's pretty exciting to see them continuously have some success there and uh, just continue to to slowly build a solid farm system that could allow them to make some trades, could allow them to potentially promote guys pretty quickly and keep building from there. Um, of course, they have, uh, I would say, the two best players in major league baseball at the top. So it's always exciting when you can build the talent from the bottom and, and keep going from there. Drew Gilbert gets promoted, uh, according to Chandler Rome and Gilbert, the first round pick of the Houston Astros, uh, late in the first round up to double a now, which is really fun because I think he's going to really hit there. I think he's going to really, really, really hit in the Texas league. Uh, he goes to Corpus Christi, which at, at what he did in high, I he, the guy was bored. I, I have here, three sixty four twenty one six eighty six 686 slash line. It's a yep. 1107 OPS. Um, I got to see Gilbert. I talked about it on the backfields a little bit. He really impressed me with the way he commands that bats. He's five, nine. He's a, he's a compact dude. And I think with that, he's very efficient to the ball, but it's still a swing that you know, generates a lot of power. Um, so it's shorter levers, but he still is able to generate some carry with great bat speed. He's a great athlete. Some put up unbelievable numbers at Tennessee. He's a, he, he can stick in center. Um, I'm a big fan of his. And I'm really excited to see how he does in double A. But I think this is a dude that can fly through the minors very quickly.
1: You know, this is almost a carbon copy of what he did at Tennessee last year. Last year at Tennessee, he slashed 362, 455, 673. This year, 361, 421, 686. So an 1128 OPS at Tennessee and 1107 OPS in professional baseball at this point uh, in high A Asheville so far this year. Gilbert, the interesting thing here is there's a bit more swing and miss that I think um, the the Astros were anticipating, but like, I don't think they care. Cause like you mentioned, this guy's hitting the crap out of the, but 360 with eight doubles and six bombs in 21 games. Yeah. Get out of here with that. Yeah. Gilbert last year walked more than he struck out of Tennessee. Walked 33 times, struck out 22 times. He played 11 games between the complex and low a 37 plate appearances, just two punch outs. Now he's punching out at about a, a, a mid 20s percent K rate, um, but he's walking at about a six percent.
0: Yeah. Clip. So it's weird. I'm looking at the numbers on this. Dude, I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's a little bit of just a 21 game anomaly because yeah. he's not chasing. Um, I think he's just seeing a lot of strikes, which is wild. Um it's pretty interesting because I'm looking at the 55% of the pitches he's seeing are in the zone, which is well above average. So I think it's just been a weird anomaly of 21 games. He's seen some pitchers that really pounded the strike zone. Um, and, you know, as a result, you know, maybe caught him off guard a little bit. He struck out. But I mean, if you normalize it a 22% K rate with the power that he's been putting up, that's just fine. You'd like to see more walks. But I think it's really just the weird circumstances of it because He's pretty much seen a fair amount of strikes in the zone. He's been aggressive on fastballs. That's the one area where the chase rate's high. So I think that's something that, you know, I'm sure the Astros who are very on this kind of stuff will let him know. But overall, the chase rate's 25%. That's really not bad. It's just a weird 21 game sample, I think.
1: Yeah. And again, we're playing small sample theater. I think. End of May is when we can actually start to truly validate some of the numbers that we see here because we are working off a small sample. But what we do know is this guy was making mincemeat of high A and he's a double A caliber player right now. And we're seeing it. and the swing, man, the swing real like it is a very,
0: very, very, very nice swing uses the whole field. Pull side power is well, well above average. And uh, it's just one of those where you just look at it and you're like that plays. It's just that simple. It just plays. Uh, also I wanted to mention, I, I was, I kept drawing a blank. I'm like, who's the other angels prospect. I don't know why I was just trying to like Edgar, Kevin Car- my tongue. <laughs> well, <Kevin> my tongue. <laughs> Edgar Caro's development too. And double a has them looking really good. The trash band is all of a sudden are a pretty talented team and heading in a pretty good direction. So that system on top of Trey cabbage, who's the crown jewel of that system yeah. um, is 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 starting to shape up a little bit. Well,
1: and don't forget the minor league home run leader, Joe Adele, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess he counts towards the system. Um, Joe, Adele, Joe Adele and Keston Hura are at the top of their games right now. And that's like the best thing ever for me.
0: It's great for, I mean, are you going to get any of those guys? Is that any
1: in your league at all? Uh, I, I'll get Hura for a week. I won't get Joe Adele. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. you're playing some corner outfield right now someone like, you,
0: you know. that's crazy
1: that's <laughs> crazy someone you will get and i think already have gotten
0: is, is brian roquillo yeah right uh roquillo switch hitting shortstop we, we know cleveland guardians just fits the mold of everything they look for got a brief 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 call up to even Play much? Did he, didn't he, play. Play? he didn't play. He didn't play. That's I thought. Appearance. So it was more of just like a warm body. Good for you. Collect that big league prorated 720k. Yeah. Um, good for you. Get that clock running. But Rokio, I mean, he earned it though. I, I think that's the most clear thing. And I think he he's earned consistent at bats. You look at the struggles of Ahmed Rosario. I think in a month or so, if he continues to do what he's doing, Rokio, and Rosario continues to do what he's doing or not doing you might have to consider this because here's what Rokio is going to give you from day one, great defense and also great makeup. And he's going to fit right into the clubhouse as a 22 year old kid. But what we're seeing now and the reason why you put him on our list here is we're seeing the bat continue to develop and continue to get better. And this is another prospect fatigue guy. He's young. and, And I think it makes us feel like he's been around forever because of how, how long we've seen him kind of at the more high levels or even just in high A, A, like it feels like he's just kind of been around the higher levels for a while. It's like, why isn't he up yet? It's not up yet. Cause he's 22, uh, but he's hitting the ball harder, Jack. And that's what really stands out to me last year. He had a max exit velocity of one Oh seven 90th percentile exit exit velocity of hundred point five already a max of one Oh nine this year, 90th percentile of one Oh two. That's all. That's the only jump you need for a guy like this because that's now average power. And if he has average power, the rest of his game is going to
1: make him a well above average player. And the thing is like the home runs are not going to be part of Rocchio's game. Um, He's got one Homer in 30 games so far with Columbus, but he is making mincemeat of AAA pitching right now. And, and that was the last step that we needed to see from Rocchio, right? Because this is a guy that I think many viewed as borderline top 100 prospect. When when we saw him in his age 20 season in 21, we were like, top 100 guy, book it. This guy's so advanced for a 20-year-old. You're right. Prospect fatigue bit him in the ass. But what I love about Rocchio is, I mean, this guy, like, he, he's been knocking on the door for a little bit, right? He played 33 games in triple last year. There's no space up there with Rosario and Andres Jimenez on the on the extension. So you can either, he and Tyler Freeman can either be in Columbus and just kind of sulk and, and, you know, see the performance dissipate because of that, or they can be the best middle infield tandem in minor league baseball right now. Yeah. Freeman's hitting about 340. Rokio's hitting 340. He's hitting 339 going into this this week. 888 OPS. This guy's nine for nine in the stolen base department. He picks his spot so well. And watching him for a week, like the defense is just otherworldly, man. I think that this guy, this was almost like the final checkmark that I needed to know that this guy is a major league shortstop for the foreseeable future. The bat be what it is. And hitting 340 across 30 games, that, that's not surefire like, hey, this guy's going to be a, an average or above average bat in major league baseball for a decade, but it's a damn good sign. I was going to say, this is not a
0: trade chip. This is a part of the Guardian's future. And, yes. and uh, like, and whether that means that he has to wait the rest of the year because they don't want to move off of Rosario, because sometimes you don't want to disrupt it. If Rosario is giving you a 770 OPS and you're winning ball games, you keep going. But they're not playing their best ball right now.
1: Rosario is not playing his best ball. We might see him call it up. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, and I mean, the thing is, like, after the 21 season and even, like, midway through 22, we were waiting to see who would separate themselves from this gluttony of middle infielders that the guardians have right was it gonna be freeman was it gonna be Rokio? was it gonna be jose Tano? was it gonna be bracho how about rosario like the current guys he gonna hold on to that spot jimenez think, would have been put, put in that group too which is absurd exactly <laughs> But right now, I think we have our answer where it's Andres Jimenez at second, even though he's struggling. They just gave him one hundred billion dollars. He's there to stay. And I think Rocchio is the shortstop of the future.
0: I agree. And and the glove will make him very good for a long time. Looking at his last 21 games, he said safely in 20 of 21 games. Several multi-hit games, six uh, six stolen bases, he's punching out at a twelve and a half percent clip, and he's walking at an eight percent clip. No one wants to walk this dude, but he works the count, and he's going to make you throw strikes. He's a great ball player. Uh, really excited to see him continue to get you know opportunity hopefully at the big league level very soon uh, because. I think that's pretty nice when you got a
1: backup plan like him just waiting in the wings. Hey, and um, he's probably not a good like fantasy baseball option. If you're thinking about it in that regard, yeah. he's a war accumulator. I yeah. think he's a war getter.
0: He's he's kind of come from a similar call to Jimenez. You know, and I think yeah. that's what they love. That's a really fun up the middle tandem. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is Mason Wynn shortstop of the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's funny because last time we talked about Mason Wynn, you were just like, yeah, it was rough. You know, it was rough last time we saw him. And he did what good players do they shake that shit off and they get going. And that is exactly what we've seen from Mason Wynn, who is, you know, it's also worth noting getting acclimated to the high or to the triple A level. I want to say high A because I see a 21 year old getting acclimated to triple A as a guy that just turned 21. He just turned 21. So Wynn is, you know, one of the youngest guys at that level. Putting up great numbers now, but the slow start, like that's okay. But you now you look back at at his last 12 or so games. I, I've just pulled his last 12 games, Jack. 353, 468, 627, 16% walk rate, 13% K rate, four home runs, three of which came in the last three games. And yeah. he's just playing great ball. It looks like this kid is finally adjusting
1: to AAA. If he's in the final stages of puberty and like he's fully tapping into this power that we could see like ten to fifteen homer potential, you've got fifty on the raw future fifty on the game. Um, I think that's like what what would you consider him? Fifteen homers? Yeah. Okay, fifteen homers. You hope he's a 260, 270 hitter. I think he can be a two seventy five hitter. Okay, that's how fast he is the way, he, but yeah, two seventy hitter. That's the thing. You've got 70 runner on him. He's got game changing speed. I might even like say, bump that to 75. Like the way he runs speeds up the internal clock of every infielder that I've watched him play against this year. And also, I mean, this guy's such a gifted defender too. He's smaller side. He's fast as hell. He's quick. And what this guy can do with his arm. I mean, he's got a weapon for a right arm. Like he is. I saw him play.
0: It's an 80 arm. It's an an 80 arm.
1: Yeah, I, I saw him on I saw him play some second with DeYoung on a rehab assignment. And I was like, wow, I, he's an elite second baseman. But I want to see that arm play it short. Like I say that's a
0: hazard. <laughs> if he if he hurts back and throws on the first base, I think it's actually a hazard. He's also Carefully what 11 for 12 on bags. Like, yeah. uh, that's something that continues to get better in his game too. talk about another dynamic shortstop. Who I think like I don't know if scouts really give him enough credit defensively. And then once he gets to the big leagues, it's like, oh, that guy's a plus defender. Like it, just guys like that, and I think with his arm, his athleticism, he might not have like the smoothest actions that that you know scouts love to see. They're still good. He has good actions, um, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, this guy's stealing hits left and right. This is a plus defender, and he's going to accumulate all the defensive runs safe, But to see the bat coming along the way, it is three straight two hit games, and then the last game he just had only one hit but walked as well um, and scored two runs. What's what stands out to me, and what this guy does, you talk about game changing speed, four straight games of two runs scored. And everyone, nobody, I know people talk about oh, runs don't matter, whatever. When they it's Mason kind of Wayne, it does. Because he, he gets on base and he flies. And a single is a double. A walk is a double. And a single with him on second is a run. And that's that's how it works. And he's going to be a great table setter at the highest level. Really cool to see him getting acclimated to the highest minor league level. Yes. A couple guys will do a two for one here. Uh, Baltimore, we got two outfielders. We got Colton Kowser. We got Heston Kerstad. Who do you want to start with? Let's start with Cowser who's at a higher level. Cowser, center fielder, just turned 23. Weirdly a polarizing prospect though I find him like not polarizing at all. <laughs> um like I know he struggles against lefties, don't really care. Um we're seeing Josh Lowe really put it together at the big league level for the Rays and I was always enamored with Josh Lowe. I've always loved him. So I think it's only natural that I've I kind of realized this recently that I loved Colton Cowser. It wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't uh conscious, but I I kind of realized the other day why, why I fell in love with with Cowser too. They're very similar. They're very similar ball players and that is great. You get good speed and center, good power. You know, the hit tools can be a little fringy struggle against lefties, but you have enough confidence with the good approach and the power that they'll hit enough. Took a little bit of time. Now we see what he's doing out there. I think Kowser's is a very similar type of player, and I think he's going to figure it out to a similar degree. Um, I think the biggest difference for him, patience. Look at the last 15 games. He's walking at a 23% clip. He's yep. striking out at a 17% clip. He's got an 1140 OPS, four home runs. He's just not expanding the zone. He's hitting the ball in the air more, and he's taking what's given to him. He's getting a lot
1: right now. 1140 OPS will play. He is hitting 300 with a 450 OBP. Like that, I think that's all I got to say about him. He was not on top one.
0: He was, he was not on some top 100 lists, dude.
1: I know. And he's like relatively high up on just baseball's top 100. He's at 45 after a 400 OBP season. He hit 275 with a 400 OBP. So you knew that this was possible. 300 with a 450 in triple A. Yeah. That's like top 20 prospect in the game type stuff.
0: is 23. And he can play, even if he moves to a corner, high-level corner, can can play center field. If the defense doesn't progress, could still get by in center field. The biggest knock on him has been, oh, he can't hit lefties. Okay, he's still struggling through 23 plate appearances against lefties this year. But guess what he's doing? He's walking. So even if he hits a buck 80 against lefties, he's getting on base at a 435 clip right now. Small sample, again, 23 plate appearances. But he's not going to expand the zone. He's going to walk. And so even if you have to play him left on left, He'll get on base. He'll be okay. This is a really good ball player. We talk about trade chips and stuff like that for for the Orioles. I have a good feeling that this isn't the guy they want to move. You move Stowers before him. You move some other guys before him. Kowser, I think, is pretty darn near big league ready with the way he's commanding his at bats now, too. Especially if you just kind of unleash him against righties as he gets going.
1: Start trading from the surplus of outfielders, man. Like, Hauser looks like he's the answer. If you want to trade Ryan McKenna, go ahead, do it. If you want to trade Stowers, who's a triple, go ahead, do it. Heston yeah. Kirstad might be the most, I don't know, like he might be the most prized possession in terms of expendable outfielders that they've got.
0: Yeah, and I, and I don't think they're in a rush to trade him either because of how good he's looked. And and But yeah, I agree with that. Kirstead's a guy I've gotten multiple people that have played against him, you know, some buddies in the minors that have texted me and been like, that guy's got it. Yep. You know, I got that about Encarnacion on Strand last year. Uh, I got that uh, about a few other I got that about Vinny Pascantino a couple of years ago. Like, there's a few guys that just recurring that come up because I always tell my whoever I'm, you know, friendly with in the minor leagues, someone stands out to you. You better let me know. Please yeah. Me. Please yeah. text me. Um, and you know, whenever, whenever it's a guy that I'm already on, I'm like, okay, shoving that guy up. Sometimes it's a guy that like I overlook, I'd say cursed was somebody that I was kind of just like, I know what he's capable of, but you know, there was a lot of whiff at the lower levels as he got back, but also another guy that you need the context missed a lot of time with myocarditis inflammation of the heart and, and had to get going, had to get back to it. Went to the Arizona fall league, I think really was able to relax and he's play awesome. out there, low pressure, put up good numbers. There was still a little bit of whiff, but you know, nothing crazy. And now he's in double A where the whiff would really make itself evident, and it's not. 16% K rate, he's hitting 300, and he's hitting the living snot out of the ball. Um, to all fields. It's all fields power. This is a guy that has a unique load, and I think he's really found it though. Cause you know, every little timing and efficiency you have gets hit even harder and harder and harder the higher levels you climb. You can get away with a lot of timing and efficiency in college and get away with more in low A. You can get away with very little in high A and almost none in double A. That's usually how it works. Yep. And I think we've found a guy that's really repeating his
1: moves well and has kind of found what works for him. What's crazy is he's got 14 extra base hits out of 27 hits in 23 games. 23 games in Bowie, he's got 14 extra base hits, eight of which for homers. That's that's ridiculous. So I want to do a little activity here because Kerstad, like, again, I I think you're spot on. People moved off Kerstad quick. And and even in the 2020 draft, when everybody was sitting around and had time to think about their college baseball scouting, they were like, well, that's a reach, like interesting pick at two, Baltimore. People said the same thing about Kowser. Exactly. They thought Baltimore underslotted and and they were taking a worse guy than what was available. So I want to walk through the 2020 draft right now and I want you to tell me if you would have Kerstad or this person. Torkelson was the only guy taken above him. I would that's well, I I think right torque. I think I'm still taking Torque. I'm still taking Tork. Like a, let's talk at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, Max Meyer 3 different needs. I'll probably go Meyer. Yeah, I'd probably go Meyer. Asa Lacey. No, thanks. Austin Martin. No, thanks. Emerson Hancock. No, thanks. Nick Gonzalez. Nope. Robert Hassel.
0: Uh, That's an interesting one. He's so much younger. Uh, I would I would take Hassel. Yeah. And then how about Veen? I would take by our
1: prospect rankings. I would take Veen. But let's talk about that one in a few months. Exactly. That's the thing, man. I just walked you through the top nine. Ten is Detmers. So like I'm taking Reed Detmers. But I mean, like out of the top ten, that's two and a half guys for sure that you're taking over cursed at this point. And he was damaged. And good. one's on the shelf with Tommy John. Like exactly. Like yeah. th- that's damaged goods that we were yeah. talking about with cursed He's not damaged goods anymore. He just got a later start than some of those college guys in 2020. On Things tw- that are totally out of his control too. Yeah, What exactly. an awesome story he's becoming, which is, which is really
0: cool too. I mean, that is not an easy thing to come back from.
1: I think he was the forgotten prospect in this loaded Orioles system and Heston cursed that is further proving that the Orioles have the best farm system in baseball. Yep. And I'm more rooting for him. And this is a guy that like, he might not hit for a ton of average because I
0: think it's a lot of lift and a lot of homers, but low average high OBP high power that works. And I think he's starting to show that he might hit for better average than we think, which is very exciting as well. Yep. Um, Henry Davis, guy that you might be seeing relatively soon if he keeps this thing up another underswap number one pick. And a guy that I think some people kind of moved off of a little quickly, but dude, he's hitting the ball hard and hitting the ball consistently. 1,057 OPS. He is hitting the ball ridiculously at 108 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. This dude did a home run 112 the other day. Um, so we're seeing 70 power from Davis. And we're seeing him hit, and also 15% chase rate. He is not expanding the zone whatsoever. Walking a ton, strikeout rate is palatable at
1: 22%. Henry Davis might be arriving. I think he is. And you look at his minor league time, like the biggest knock on Davis since he was taken in 21 was lack of availability, right? Like he, he was always hurt. 87 games played in minor league baseball at this point. He's got a 397 OBP. Like that—that's undeniable at this point that he's yeah. going to be an incredibly high OBP guy and a hundred and eight mile an hour ninetieth percentile exit velo is absurd. Yeah, is it the best? Thing they, I mean, Cruz, like Oniel Cruz, hasn't played much so far this year. I had assumed Davis is second in the Pirates organization when it comes to ninetieth percentile EVs.
0: Uh, don't don't forget about Mason Martin. Oh, come on. Old friend alert, Mason Martin. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, let me, let me, I can actually verify that. Let me see. You've got Mason Martin ahead of him. You've got Jack Sawinski, a slight oh, tick ahead of him.
1: Yeah, that's it, I know. Mean, that's it. And that's the thing. Like Sawinski's hitting the crap out of the ball right now. And you assume that he's going to normalize at, at at some point. He's still OPSing over a thousand, which is crazy. I don't, you know, I'm in
0: on more in on Sawinski than you are on
1: that one. Yeah, I know. But um, no, man, I mean. Henry Davis has been very impressive to this point. I'm hoping that I get to watch him in person um, a lot at some point this year. I'm not sure how they want to handle that. I listen to the Ben Charrington show every Sunday, which is the GM's radio show. And you know, the point that he's made about Davis and Andy Rodriguez is they got to catch. Like they both have to catch. And if you have both of them at the same level, like Andy's not going up right now. Andy has to catch. And he was just on the shelf for two weeks. He was out from behind the backstop. So Andy's going to be the catcher in triple a for a while. Henry Davis needs to catch every day. That's what he's doing in Altoona. So like, I don't think they're in too much of a rush to move yeah. off this hedges and delay timeshare. And, and double is still a good test. Like,
0: yeah, triple A stuff, but like Henry Davis has not had that many at bats. Like it's fine. I know he's making. Mint meat of it, but at the end of the day, like it's still a good test and you'd rather have him have slightly less competition Hitting wise, if it allows him to develop behind the dish, because at the end of the day, you, you want this guy catching. That's sure. where
1: that's where you're gonna have the most value. And I think the question becomes who do you want like when you close your eyes, if you're Ben Charrington or if you're Derek Shelton, newly extended, if you close your eyes and you say, Who's the starting catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates in twenty twenty five? Who like what's the answer? Why for? can't it be why can't it be what the Blue
0: Jays are doing? It could. And More I think you kind of wait for what if one doesn't separate themselves, but you know, I think, I think he could be what the blue Jays are doing. Um, and I think that would be quite fine. I don't, I don't think anyone's losing sleep over it, but I, I think that's an answer that they close their eyes. They can't figure that out yet. And I think yeah. that's why they're both catching simultaneously. So that should be a really fun, you know, narrative to monitor Um, and, and trouble in paradise, I guess, over there. That's a great problem to have in the upper levels. For sure. Guy that should be joining the upper levels pretty soon. One of the last hitters we'll highlight real quick is junior Caminero, Tim mm-hmm. Bay race. Holy crap. <laughs> 356, 408, 678 so far this season. That's a near 1100 OPS, 23% K rate. Um, One of the highest 90th percentile exit velocities I've seen. Uh, a small sample size, so it'll probably normalize a little bit, but 111 so far this year. What the hell? Um, Several, several batted balls over 110. Um, He's just hitting the ball so, so hard. He's hitting the ball in the air. zone contact with how much power he has and how young he is as a 19-year-old. This guy was traded straight up for Tobias Myers. The Rays did the Rays thing with this guy um, and, and identified a very undervalued talent. It's very clear that Junior
1: Caminero is a special bat. Last week, I was watching a video of Caminero in Rome, Georgia. And again, like Southeast, air is thick down there. Elevated fastball, opposite field homer. Like he he looks awesome for a high for a 19 year old. He looks 24. Yeah. I mean, he is so physically mature and it feels like he's doing whatever he wants at the plate right now. Like, I, I want to see this guy climb like a rocket ship because until proven otherwise, he's going to hit everywhere. And how much longer do you need to see three fifty five with a bunch of pumps?
0: I, I I don't think not much. I don't know. I wonder if they're just not in a rush to get him into that Southern League mess.
1: I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Like, do you want? I, I hope see. it's not like a mid-July thing. Like, yeah, that calls, would be too long. That would be that too would be long. way too long.
0: But to your point, this guy hits pitches out that have no business getting out. When you're going Oppo elevated fastball, he'll hit pitches down and in out to dead center. Like, it is stupid power and it is ridiculous bat speed. And, and he gets the ball in the air, and that you know that's something he needs to do a little bit more consistently. But when he does, it gets out of the yard. Uh, this this guy could be a forced to be reckoned with offensively a guy who's a force right now. And and I think he's just about ready for a double-A promotion any day. Now is Marcelo Meyer, Boston Red Sox, top prospect. This guy, something has really clicked over the last week or so he was off to a solid start, but it is, it is just ridiculous what we've seen over the last handful of days. Uh, you, You look at just, let me just take you through the last handful of games four for four. Three for six, two for six, one for five, four for five, two for five. And if you go all the way back to his last, I believe it was like 15 games or so. I mean, it's just been similar, just the, the level of just domination at the plate. Last 15 games, 403, 479, 694. It's an 1172 OPS in high A uh, while walking in the 13% clip. Striking out at a 17% clip has the three home runs as well. Nine doubles. The swing is sweet. We know that. But now he's really starting to hit the ball consistently. And the glove is phenomenal. We just talked about that. If he's hitting like this, this guy's one of the best prospects in baseball. If he can hit like this at the next level at double
1: A. Yeah, I I think it's. I think at this point, it, it's just redundant for him to keep spending time in high A. He's that good at that young of an age. Might as well fast track him until he fails. Crazy change-ups. He's seen 90 change-ups this
0: year. He is hitting 563 against no. that. Year. What are you going to see as a left-handed hitter? Change-ups. High A change-ups aren't great, but he's pulverizing them. when Let he sees damage- better let him see some better change-ups.
1: That's the thing. And when he runs into these organizations that like don't go as in-depth on this as others, like there are some organizations that are just going to assume, hey, like, you know, lefty bat, let's see some change-ups. If you're hitting fastballs and changeups,
0: you're going to be in good shape. You could struggle with breaking balls and still have success. Uh, chase rates got to get a little bit better, but 85% zone contact, 95% zone contact on fastballs. Small sample, but we're getting to the point where like that it's it's enough of a sample. You see almost 200 fastballs and you only swing and miss at about four or five percent of them. That's pretty talent.
1: Yeah, 100 percent, man. No, and I mean, the, the thing about him and I'm not going to wear the L yet on on the him versus Lawler thing. But what I will say is the offensive profile looks so much better.
0: He, so he worked with a weighted bat, according to the Red Sox, and um, to like try to put up some better EVs. Uh, try to make a little bit more impact it's a six, three, 185 pound guy. And he's seen a big jump in, in max exit velocity. Um, and the 90th percentile is up in the early going. So that's something to monitor too, in terms of the power, he's put up a 112 already this year. Uh, so, I mean, there, 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 might be some more juice here for Marcelo Meyer, which is, which is really exciting. Cause if he's hitting for, I mean, that, that's plus power territory. Uh, if he's doing that, holy crap, this guy's going to be a force. And I think the Red Sox kind of have their shortstop of the future here
1: yeah for sure and the question is like okay you move him to double how long do you have him in portland like probably the entire rest i think double is going to be a good challenge i think he's there the rest of the year starts okay. the next year in triple i'd say sooner rather than later like it should be the drew gilbert type bump yes you know, early may mid may get him up right now and then have him hang there he's in worcester kind of waiting at the beginning of next year yep And I think that's a great, great situation for him because if he struggles, he's got time on his side. The problem is, though, if he does get up to Worcester early next year, he's taking shortstop reps away from Bobby Dalbeck. And I'm not sure how I feel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, they'll split it up. I'm sure it'll be a platoon with how much the Red
1: Sox like to prioritize those Bobby
0: Dalbeck shortstop looks. Um, Last bat before we fly through the arms. um, Nolan Jones. I, I loved this pickup for the Rockies. I really did when they made it made it happen. You know, he's taken advantage of a very hitter-friendly Albuquerque uh, environment. But guess what? That's what, that's what he's going to do in the big leagues, too. Uh, traded from the Guardians. We know the Guardians hate those types of prospects, so they just get rid of them. Uh, they did it with Will Benson, too. But Nolan Jones has incredible power, incredible patience, sub-20% chase rate. And when he hits it, he hits it in the air. He's going to be a three true outcome guy that I think hits a ton of home runs. Um, 34% swing rates like Edward Julian And he's hitting the ball hard, hits it in the air. I, I, I think that this is the perfect guy for the Rockies to ID. And I hope they get him up to the big league soon. He just turned 25. Um, I don't think he has anything left to prove in Albuquerque. He's hitting 336 with an 1100 OPS. Like even in that environment, that's really good. He walks at a 17% clip. He's
1: always walked though. Get this guy to the big leagues and let's see what he can do. There's no point to have him as an isotope right now. Like there's zero point because the Rockies are stinking out loud. Their outfield, as it looks right now, is pro far and left, Bryant in right. uh, And you've got Randall Gritchick in center. Then you got Charlie Blackman as the DH. I understand that those guys are all fan favorites and yay. Like they're all on the other side of 30. But when you've got young talent like that, why not just get him
0: up? So, you know, what's standing out to me too? They've been playing him in, in, at third base more now too. But McMahon's so, at third, no, but the he point did. being is like, you're playing him at third, right, left. He played a game in center the other day. Like can do he can play it. everywhere. So you can keep him in the lineup. You don't have to worry about him not having a spot, play him in left, play him in right. Give McMahon the day off, play him at third, play him at first. He's played some first too. Like you can move him all over and consistently get him at bats. This guy's a better bat. Then several of the guys in the big league lineup, they just DFA'd Jonathan Daza. Like Jones will make them better. I want to see what he can do. And I I think they'll call him up soon because this guy has nothing left to prove in the minor leagues. How
1: about 85% zone contact with that kind of power too? Dude. He never did that before. Did he? Nope. I was going to say that like, that's not
0: Nolan Jones. Get this man up, get this man up. He might do something. And if you're in a deep league, I'd take a flyer because if it does click for him, if it does click for him,
1: you're getting a lot of home runs and a lot of on base. I tell you that it's so, the Chris Bryant. It's the Chris Bryant selling point at the beginning of last year, right? Yeah. It's like, Hey, high batting average and a ton of bombs. A hundred uh, percent.
0: Let's get through as many arms as we can real quick. Um, we'll focus on someone you saw recently, Luis Ortiz. You see him every fifth day. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates, right? And a pitching prospect. Uh, he's got to be ready to go up pretty soon, right? I mean, I'll let you kind of just talk about him. He only went three innings the other day. Was was that more of a precautionary thing to just in case he might get called up? Like, what what was the reason why he only went three innings of one hit ball, no runs, no walks, three Ks against so, uh, Toledo?
1: Yeah, so I hypothesized, and I was texting you during this too. I was like, v- Vince Velasquez is hitting the shelf with with a forearm or elbow thing. I think it might have been elbow inflammation. So. He's hitting the shelf. The open spot is on Tuesday. Ortiz was initially scheduled to start on Saturday. He starts on Friday. He throws three innings, 42 pitches. It lines up really well. He's already on the 40, man. He already debuted last year. So if they do want a starting pitcher to fill the spot of Vince Velasquez, it was scheduled perfectly for that to be the case. Now, I have no information on that. The the time that I find out is when everybody finds out on Twitter, like, no, I just found out according to Jason Mackey that Chris Owings was going up, and like he's on the team that I cover. So, um, yeah, like I I have no concrete information in terms of that, but it does line up really well for Ortiz to make that start. Uh, if not, they may go bullpen day. I think that's what they were tentatively planning for when it came to that scheduling. Um, but this guy has looked awesome. I think it's a two-two ERA right now, um, mid to high nineties fastball. The fastball sat ninety-six. Topped at 98, heavy sink. The slider is as good as I've seen one in minor league baseball, man. That thing's Uh, disgusting.
0: Yeah. Do you have it up? I would love to see. I'm trying to remember what I put on uh, grade-wise for for that slider. Um, But you you look at at what Ortiz has been doing as a late, too. Leaning into what works, we're seeing more guys you know, find success, like traditionally speaking, it's always like throw your fastball more. Like you got to let that be the tone setter. And I do always say like you're as good as your fastball, but Ortiz's fastball is good. It's fine. Like it's a pretty good fastball. Gets a lot of ground balls. All he needs is is that wipe out slider. So he gets ground balls with the fastball, wipes out guys with the slider, and and he's throwing the slider more. And, and he's done that over his last handful of starts where slider thirty one percent of the time. Four seamer, 26% of the time sinker, 25% of the time. Then he mixes in that changeup, which is still a work in progress. But I think with the two fastballs and the slider, he's been able to take care of business. And over his last four starts, he's been spectacular. One eight ERA. Um, he's a guy that doesn't need to strike out a ton of guys to have success, but he does have the stuff to strike out a ton of guys when he's on. But what I love is if he's not totally on, if he's not locating like crazy, he's got the slider to still bail him out. Cause that pitch seems to always be there for him. Like you said, and he's got two different fastballs that he can attack you with. He can be a ground ball pitcher when he needs to. There's a great plan B for Luis Ortiz when he's not on, which I think is really a solid thing to look for in a middle rotation arm, which is
1: what he is. Yeah, that, that's my favorite thing about Ortiz right now. And I think that he's kind of finding out that the sinking fastball works well for him. Um, he I hope was, he throws uh, that
0: more, honestly.
1: I hope he does, too. I hope he leans into a fromber light type thing when it comes to the fastball, like really hard bowling ball gets a ton of contact on the ground. And when I've seen the best version of Luis Ortiz this year, it's you've got 65 future on the fastball because it's a hundred, but I like that 98 with sink. That's, that is just like broken bats.
0: That's and, why, that's why it has that grade. I, yeah. I, the four seems okay. It, it's a, it's a taste it's breaker. You change yeah. eye level. You want to raise the eye level because if it's sinker down, slider down, change up down, then guys are just going to eliminate that top third. So it's a good pitch to have. But if you look at yeah. Sandy Alcantara, like sinkers used way more than the four-seamer. He mixes the four-seamer in 15% of the time, just so you have to think about it,
1: just so you can't eliminate that upper third of the zone. I, th- I think this guy can get into a really good rhythm of sinker slider because you've got 70 on the slider. I there you go. Okay. So that that would coincide with what your takeaway was, right? Yeah, I truly think it's a 70-grade slider. Like It is game over in a righty-righty matchup, and then Love he that. can backfoot it for, for lefties, too. I haven't seen him effectively landed on the back door to lefties yet. So I think that's like the last part of that thing. Can he feel it on both sides of the plate? But no, nasty. Yeah. But if he's back footing lefties and working away from righties, like I'm all the way in on that. If he's sinker slider and then uses that four seamer as a Sandy taste breaker, 15% of the time, he can be ground balls all the time, strikeouts on the slider, <laughs> but then when he's ahead one and two, if he wants to elevate a four seamer, that's like above the letters. Yeah. He's going to get some gross swings on that. Oh yeah. Cause no one's thinking about that. Nobody. And so
0: he's just a little bit of sequencing away, I think from being a bona fide three at the highest level. And, and For sure. the cool thing is when he's super on, he might look better than that. And even when he's off, he's like that when he's not there, he'll be the ground ball four or five, which is what I love. Like, again, the, the bad starts won't be as bad with a guy like him. I really do believe that. Yeah. Um. You have Blake Walston on here who was probably not a name I would have thrown in here. But then you look at the numbers and it's like the last three starts, especially in the three environments that he's pitched in pretty remarkable. There's a 21 year old in AAA who does not throw hard, uh, but he's made two starts in Reno and a start in salt Lake over his last three games. He's on 15 and two thirds. He's given up two earned runs. He's walked 10 and struck out seven. This is the weirdest, weirdest profile, but I mean, you got to really take into account where these guys are pitching. And even if the underlying numbers are ugly, like he's keeping runs off the board. Like, do you feel any different about Blake Walston now
1: than you did going into this year with the way he's thrown? So the only thing that makes me excited for Blake Walston at this point is, you know, like. You mentioned like walking more guys than punching out right now, 27 innings, 14 Ks, 19 walks. It's like absurd. And that's not major league ready at all. But the thing that jumps out to me is this guy allowed 16 homers in 95 innings in 21. He allowed 16 homers in 124 innings last year. He's faced 118 hitters. Zero have taken him deep in the PCL. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And uh, like back to back starts
0: at home in Reno and then in Salt Lake, which is not fun to bet. Like, like something's different.
1: I might have to go. I'm gonna have to go watch those starts. Like I, I'm not gonna say that he's pitching well right now because again, he's walking six and a half guys per nine. Like I don't think that that's good. Um, but the fact that he's limiting severe damage in the hardest league in minor league baseball to pitch in in professional there's baseball, there. to pitch
0: in, there's something there. There's, there's something, something there's... going on. So I, can I tell you one thing that I do see going on? How about pitch velocity by start? Average fastball velocity by start. On the 13th of April, yeah, 90 miles an hour. On the 19th, 88.4 miles per hour. On the 27th, 91.3. And in his last start, 92. What's going on? I don't know, but it's ticking up. It's going up. I have no hypothesis, nothing else to say, but I we did have to talk about Blake Wilson. So 21 years old in AAA though, this year could be a disaster and he's got time on his side and he's learning a lot. So um, this is a very relevant pitching prospect still. Yeah. Robert Gasser, a guy that we have talked about a lot on this podcast um, and, and is kind of flying under the radar a little bit after, I think a lot of people started to pay attention to him um, last year, especially after the trade. You, you you put gasser on this so i'm gonna kind of leave the floor to you because like he's been kind of wishy-washy
1: like yeah why do you want to talk about robert gasser i want to talk about him because he's punching out the world right now and yeah. you know the the, the unavailable unavailability of brandon woodruff and the volatility of the rest of that rotation right now like wade miley's been really good how long is wade miley gonna be really good and like then you look at the depth here. Hauser just got activated. Hauser's, I don't think Hauser's a better starting pitching option than Gasser. Right? Gasser might be. He might be. Gasser's at five and a half right now. But the thing that jumps out to me about him is like, if he can tighten up the command right now, I think that this ERA goes down oh, big sure. time. He's punching out six per nine, or he's walking six per nine, pardon. He was walking three and a half. I think that from what I've seen, like the stuff that he's putting out right now, if he can cut that walk rate down to anywhere near what it was last year, I think that this guy could be starting like important games in August and September. That's the only reason why I put him on this list.
0: Do you think? Do you think he could uh, come out of the pen at all? Maybe. I think that that could. I think that Gasser could be a brash type option what i'm thinking what's interesting is the velo down at like a half tick a little bit more than a half tick this year so i mean it might take a little bit for that to, to come back that was last year was kind of a a longer season for him compared to i think any other year that he's really had uh, but the slider is nasty and it just seems like right now the slider just hasn't been there for him i'm looking at strike rate of last year 70 percent strike rate on the slider last year 56 percent strike rate on the slider this year it's still nasty he's getting tons of whiffs but he's not commanding it and then the fastball 57 percent strike rate on the fastball that's uncharacteristic. I agree, Jack. This is somebody that once he gets those that fastball and slider,
1: even average command, he'll, he'll be a high threes guy at worst in AAA. Yeah, 100%. And like, that's the thing with where the Brewers are. They have an opportunity to pounce in the NL Central. I think that a lot of eyes should be on Robert Casser every time he takes the hill. Nick Frosso of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, this is somebody that's always
0: been interesting to me. He came over in uh, Mitch white trade, I believe, uh, from the blue Jays classic Dodgers identified this guy. And the second the trade went down, I dove into his stuff and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why the, that's why the Dodgers wanted him. Um, we hadn't seen him stretched out really at all. And now we're starting to see him stretched out a little bit more, which is, which is great. he's really thriving in double a while being stretched out. Uh, he's six, 200 unique delivery, tough to pick up pounding the strike zone with his fastball, 75% strike rate on the fastball. Uh, His slider is gross and his changeup is good. Three pitch mix. He's Dyson hitters up and he has been fantastic over his last handful of starts. Uh, This is a guy that I think is going to start flying up a lot of lists, whether it's the Dodgers prospect lists and maybe even a top 100 list as he continues to fly. I think prospectus has him on their top 100, if I'm not mistaken, but his last five starts, Jack 22 and two thirds innings, 30 K's five walks.
1: Yep. I didn't think the command would be there like that. No, I mean, on the year, he's got a 35% K rate and what a 4% walk rate, 5% walk rate. I think. Yeah. I mean, come on a joke, three earned runs in 26 and two thirds innings. Setting the tone with the fastball. And then two very, two potentially plus
0: uh, secondaries with the slider and the changeup that that'll play 95 with the fastball up to 97. Um, and those two pitches actually might be up to higher than that. He's up. <laughs> uh, my bad. He's up to hundred this year. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, this might be a top 100 arm by mid season update. He's yeah. older 24, but I mean, if you're hitting triple digits and dicing guys up while throwing strikes with three final bull pitches at six, five, uh, this might be an arm to watch. Yep. Next up. We got Clayton beater, a former Dodgers arm who traded over to the Yankees for Joey Gallo. And I think the reason why the Dodgers were okay with trading beaters, they saw a reliever. So yeah, this stuff's good, really good. But you know, we're probably trading a, a guy that's ultimately going to be a reliever. Yankees say, Oh, well, we're going to get a guy for Joey Gallo. That could be a big league arm. And let's try to make him a starter. So far, so good. So far, so good this year. And I know he was the starter last year and showed flashes. He really was great. Pretty much the second he left the Dodgers org and which is weird. Um, finished strong last year and he's coming off of a six inning, three hit, no run, one walk, 11K outing. Um, it's a little bit of ebbs and flows with beater, especially with his command, because before that he walked five. Yeah, but The flows are really exciting for this guy. He might
1: ultimately be a reliever, but he's showing enough to keep getting looks as a starter. I think you ride this guy for as long as you can as a starting pitcher. And right now it's working, man. So yeah, you say a five walk outing, but, but he bounces back. And the thing that jumps out to me is this guy was as protected as anybody by the LA Dodgers, right? They were not unleashing him through double. And then they trade him and the Yankees don't unleash him. Now he's averaging over five innings per start. And I think that's massive. If this guy can give you five of one run ball at the big league level now, that's all you really need. Like, yep. Brito was giving them that great start for Johnny Brito. Like, Brito was giving them more than that, but he didn't need to give them more than that. Yeah. So I'm thinking if Rodon is out for a very long period of time, why can't Beater? I know you just talked about Will Warren. Why can't one of those guys immediately jump up and help the Yankees get through five innings a la Luis, Luis, heal and Davey a couple years ago. I I don't think that's crazy, especially with the breaking ball. Cause there's a guy that could go three innings of
0: just peppering breaking balls, his slider and his curveball Good. He's mostly just using the slider. Now he's been going to that more than the fastball guys are in the buck 60 against it. They're striking out over 30% of the time. Like that is a nasty, nasty pitch. So he could ride that slider. Uh, one time through the lineup and probably dominate hitters. So like even in the worst case, you could use him as an opener or some sort, and and he could probably get big league bats out now. So I'm interested to see how they handle Beater, but the stuff is just just gross. Floor of a big league reliever is pretty much already solidified at this point because he's shown enough command to at least do that. But the command seems to get slowly, slowly better. Um, real quick on Will Warren, I think that's the next man up in that rotation. We, we I talked so? about him on the audio version. And for those on YouTube that might be, you know, stumbling upon this, just really quickly wanted to hit on Will Warren uh, because he is similar to what we we're talking about with Luis Ortiz, where the fallback is like heavy fastball, he'll get ground balls and and, and survive, uh, but the the upside is wipeout slider, which is his his sweeper is gross. The sinker has been fantastic for him. He mixes in the four seamer and he also mixes in a cutter. And I I think what makes him more interesting is like the stuff isn't as Electric maybe is Luis Ortiz at times but honestly the assortment of pitches is really fun. He's got a slider, a sinker, a four-seamer, a cutter, a curveball and a changeup and he'll go at you with all of them. He's like a he's like a fancier Javier Assad. Like everything we said that was good about Javier Assad imagine that with better stuff. And yeah. that's what that's what Will Warren is. So uh, Will Warren is I think going to be a really solid number 4, maybe even number 3 type for this Yankees team. Um 23 years old, just just carving through hitters. His last Two outings have been spectacular, but the last one he went six innings, a shutout ball, eight Ks, one walk. Command has really been there for Warren. Got you. A few more names to fly through. Um, Mick Abel's been spectacular. Talked about him on the audio version. That fastball is turning into one of the better fastballs with the Phillies, one of the better fastballs in the minor leagues. So, War, uh, or excuse me, Mick Abel, um, a guy that could end up getting the call up to triple relatively soon. I mean, we've had three, four, five straight starts of one run ball two of them the only run came on a solo shot and that was it he punches guys out he hasn't walked anybody in his last two starts six innings no walks one run and then again six innings no walks one run 14 strikeouts between those two outings mick abel is you know kind of that next guy that i think is really going to fly up through the ranks and might be one of the top pitching prospects in baseball by the middle of the middle of the season yeah owen white Owen white's a guy you put on here because he's kind of doing the gets outs thing with the Rangers swing and miss. Hasn't totally been there for white, but he's getting out. Uh last outing six innings, five hits what two runs, two walks, five K's again, the swing and miss hasn't totally been there for
1: white. Who's a well inside our top 100 list, but he's keeping runs off the board. Yeah. That, that actually doesn't scare me that much. So the K's haven't been there. Cause this guy, like, Again, not not the gets outs thing because you know Cal Quantro gets outs too. And we talk about that on the just baseball show. But I mean, Owen White is a guy that like has the stuff to get a lot of soft contact without striking guys out. You know what I mean? Like it feels like based on what I've seen so far this year. He makes a lot of dudes uncomfortable a lot of the time. Yep. Especially in that Texas League where you do have some, you know, player or hitter friendly environments. If you can get as much soft contact as he does, I think you're set up for success and that's what he's doing with the sub 3 right now.
0: One home run in the Texas League. That's really impressive
1: and yeah. and 51% ground ball rate. Fastball
0: doesn't get a ton of whiff, but he locates it and and again, like you said, gets weak contact. Slider is is nasty and he mixes in the curveball and the changeup enough and it just keeps hitters like you said just kind of gets them out of rhythm and that's the name of the game when you don't have elite stuff is get hitters out of rhythm. Yeah. Uh Christian Mena is a name I wanted to hit on real quick because Mena with the White Sox org is one of the weirdest Southern League examples. Yeah. Um his spin rate has gone down but his induced vertical break has gone up. I've never seen that. So Spin rate on the fastball is down under 2000 RPMs, but the induced vertical breaks up two inches. I don't know. I guess that's better. That's better than the other cases. You'd rather see that. I think than like guy jumps 300 RPMs on the fastball, like Coleman Crow and gains Coleman Crow gains seven inches of induced vertical break. I don't want to see that. So I think with Mena, like, yeah, there's some weirdness to the data, but I would almost feel more encouraged by what he's doing That in terms of sustainability, then maybe what we're seeing from like Coleman Crow uh, with the massive gain in IVB.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, MENA is so interesting because I I saw that anomaly. You I think you were texting me about that anomaly and I was just like that physics. Does physics apply to that? I don't think it does. The thing that jumps out to me is 42 K's and six walks.
0: Yeah. So I don't care what, what, what kind of baseballs you're using. That's impressive. That's impressive.
1: flatly impressive. So like Abbott took a big jump because he's been so good with that ball. He's been good in triple. I think that Mena is that kind of guy. And like, listen, I want him throwing at double a for pretty much the entirety of this year. He's 20 years old. There's no need to put him to Charlotte. No, but I think Mena becomes a big focal point of this system when they do sell everybody at the deadline. Uh, no, I agree, and I,
0: I think he's one of the highest upside arms. One of the things that stands out to me is, um, and it's kind of on the back end side of things, but the 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 fastball only registered as a fastball last year. So far this year, he's had twenty something percent of his fastballs register as cutters. So I don't know if that's a variation of the slider. I don't know if that's a variation of the fastball. I don't know if that's impacting, you know, some of the data there, but whatever is registered as a cutter has been lights out. Like of the pitches that have registered as a cutter, no one has hit them. So there's something interesting there. I'm going to have to watch more there, but just so just know that there's something unique with Mena. He's 20 years old. He's succeeding very much in double A and even with a favorable ball, I think there's something very legitimate here about what we're seeing from Christian Mana, which I think is much needed for this White Sox org. Um couple names real quick. And we'll, we'll hit on a couple of the other guys in the next episode since we're already going long here, but I wanted to wrap up with, with we talked about Maddox Bruns in the past. So we don't need to talk about him as much. I want to talk about Kumar rocker um, because Kumar rocker. Yes. He's 23 he's a college arm and he's in high a, but he looks good and he looks healthy. And I think those are the two most important things. Fastball has been averaging 95, of course, as a Rangers prospect, and he's been Dyson lineups up. I mean, it's it's eight strikeouts every single outing this year so far. It's besides one where he went three innings, but he went eight strikeouts, four, eight, nine, eight. Um, He's been great overall, aside from the one four earned run outing where he still struck out nine and at Winston-Salem. He's been really good overall.
1: I was just going to be like, the reason I put Rocker on here, yes, is because he's been dominating, but also because I I think that he's a start away from joining Jack Leiter in double. So we will have Leiter, Rocker, Owen White, TK Roby, uh, Luis Angelicuna, Evan Carter and Dustin Harris on the same roster. That's a fun team. You said you would pay fifty bucks to go watch them.
0: Yeah, I said that on the phone. because we're going to probably do our trip. Our minor league trip this year is going to be the Texas League. I would pay, I think, fifty bucks to watch that game. I'd pay more to watch them than a lot than several big league teams. I think, and that yeah. actually leads me to the one last guy I want to talk about. Jack is Jack Leiter. Mm-hmm. Um, best start I think he's had as a pro. Last start, and what I loved the most was everything looked more controlled, slower. And as a result, pounded the strike zone at Midland, six innings was a good lineup, six innings, three hits, no runs, two walks, seven Ks, 20 swinging strikes, 17 on his fastball. It was taking off and three on the slider. I, I hope that he follows this up with another start that that looks the same. What I do like to see is that he was more under control through his mechanics. And all of a sudden he's pounding the strike zone better than he has really maybe ever as a pro and the fastball's jumping, this might be the tides turning for
1: Jack Leiter. So the thing that jumped out to me, he threw 90 or more pitches for the second time this year. He's made how many starts? Six starts. Mm -hmm. He threw 90 pitches in start two, 49 were for strikes. He threw 91 pitches this past outing, 60 were for strikes. Let me just give you the breakdown. 80 pitches, 44 for strikes and start one, 87, 55 for strikes and start two, 76, 41 for strikes in the next one, 86, 52 for strikes. Like this was the best command game that lighter has had, even though he walked two. I, I think that's, that's really, really impressive. Hopefully he can continue that,
0: that trend because we know how good the stuff is. Yeah. That'll do it for this episode. And we will continue to highlight, you know, more performers as the week goes on. We'll probably do another follow up of some other guys that have been on our radar. There's so many players in the minor leagues that are doing so many things at all times. Uh, If you could leave a rating uh, for the podcast, help us grow it. That would be great. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe and let us know in the comments. Anyone else you want us to highlight maybe in future episodes. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you later this week.